0: Get ready for unique, rare, and little-known treasures from the golden age of radio. You're listening to The Amazing World of Radio with Adam Graham. Welcome to The Amazing World of Radio as we continue our look at uh, Alexander Hamilton through the eyes of old-time radio. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. And you can listen to my main program over at the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, greatdetectives.net. And the program's brought to you by our Patreon sponsors, patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, we return to Cavalcade of America once again, and this time for the last time. And we focus on the event uh, for which Alexander Hamilton... Has been best known uh, for the last 200 years, and that is how he died. And this is the uh, only surviving complete uh, program discussing that. Um, The original air date is July the 6th of 1942, and this one is The Gentleman from the Islands.
1: Starring Alfred Lunt in The Gentleman from the Islands*, an original radio play on the cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Tonight... The Cavalcade Playhouse is especially proud to welcome for his first sponsored appearance on the air the celebrated American actor Alfred Lunt. The play he has chosen for this event tells the story of a gallant and courageous gentleman from the islands of the West Indies whose destiny it was to secure the unity of a great republic. The gentleman's name was Alexander Hamilton. Our play, written by Robert Tallman, encompasses 24 fateful days days that were to bring death to Alexander Hamilton and to his country a legacy beyond price the DuPont company presents Alfred Lunt as Alexander Hamilton in the gentleman from the island on the Cavalcade of America <laughs>
2: midnight, the night of June 17th, the year 1804. Over the Grange, country estate of Alexander Hamilton on Manhattan Island, the moon rides high. Up the lane to the mansion house, silhouetted sharply against the moonlit shrubs, rides a man on horseback. He draws up before the portico, dismounts and tethers his horse. In a few quick strides, he is standing before the lighted French windows of the master's study. He looks about him, then raises his crop and wraps on the pane. The man inside rises from the desk to answer the door.
3: Who is it?
4: I have the honor to call upon you, General Hamilton, on behalf of a friend. May I come in?
3: Why, Mr. Van at this time of night? Come in, sir. Thank you. I
4: trust I do not disturb your
3: household at this hour, sir. The friend I have the honor to wait upon is most impatient. Well, sit down. Sit down. Cigar? Brandy? Take it all letter, General Hamilton, if you will be so good as to read it. Must I now? I think you'd better. Well, if you insist. Hand me the letter opening there, will you, sir? At your service, General. Thank you. Excuse me. Sit down. Sit down. Be comfortable. Thank you. I prefer to stand. <laughs> this letter is from Aaron Burr. I recognize the hand. That is correct, General. But I don't understand. He seems to be agitated about some newspaper story. You knew nothing of it? No, sir. I never read scandal-mongering journals. Apparently your friends do. But this concerns something a Dr. Cooper says, I said, two years ago. You deny having said it? That Aaron Burr is a dangerous man not to be trusted with the reins of government? That is only the published utterance,
4: General Hamilton...
3: Colonel Burr has reason to believe that in private you have sought to place him in an even more despicable character. Mr. Burness, despicable and more despicable is not worth the pains of distinction. Then you accept the challenge. All right, Colonel Burr, a letter. I don't believe in acting in haste, and I don't understand perfectly as yet what Colonel Burr's motive is in this affair. It couldn't be that you are afraid to meet with Colonel Burr on the field of honor, sir? Field of honor? I couldn't meet Aaron Burr on the field of honor. He wouldn't know where to find such a field. You may tell Colonel Burr that he can wait upon my pleasure. It is not my custom to receive wild challenges to my honor in the middle of the night. Not so wild as you think, sir. Then beg your friend to tell me why, why, after all these years of political rivalry between us, he has chosen this night to resolve the matter. I have retired from public life, to all intents and purposes. There's a man who takes the power at the age of 25,
4: retired 47, sir. You belittle
3: yourself, sir. That is my privilege, Mr. Beness. I bid you good night, sir. As you wish, General Hamilton. Good night, sir.
5: Alexander?
6: Betsy? James? We didn't mean to disturb you, Father. Mother was worried and called me.
5: Alexander, I I was certain I heard a horse in the drive. James thought he heard it too.
3: That's absurd. You've been dreaming, both of them. Who was it, Father? Now, what have I done to deserve this, my wife and my eldest son, doubting my
0: word.
5: Now, don't blame James, my dear. I made him come with me. I had such a strange feeling. Foreboding, almost. But here you are, still at your death. To tell the truth,
3: I'm glad to downstairs. I must go into the city tonight.
5: Tonight? Well, when did you decide about that?
3: Just now. Father, someone worked here. Why don't you want us to know about it? Good heavens, I've been away from home before. Anyway, James is old enough to look after things. I
5: can't bury myself here in the country, you know. Why must you go tonight? I had dared hope you have done with politics. The business that takes you away from us like this so abrupt. I might have been president now,
3: if I'd stayed in politics. you like that?
5: No. The president's a passing fancy. That was never for you. The Constitution was your work, and that's something that's good for all the time.
3: Yes. If it sticks.
5: Was there ever any doubt about that?
3: I doubted it once. Now I don't know. That's why I'm going to the city, Betsy.
1: I have to find out.
3: Good night. Oh, oh, there, oh. Oh, wait here, old girl. I shan't be long.
7: Now, what in thunder? Hamilton, come in. Come in. I, I'll make a light. I know the hour's late, Judge Pendleton, but... Well, think nothing of it. I just dozed off in my chair, as you see. You saved me a bad case of stiff joints. <clears throat> yeah, that's better. Now, what brings you out at this hour?
3: I just had a visit from Mr. Vanessa. the so-called Affair of Honor.
7: On whose behalf? Colonel Aaron Burr. I trust you didn't do him the honor of noticing his challenge? Not yet. You intend to do so? I might. You mustn't consider it. Burr is a deadly shot. This wouldn't be his first duel, you know. But it would be my first duel.
3: First, performances have a way of sticking in the public mind.
7: Precious little comfort. That would be if it were your last as well. I'm not so sure of that, Judge Pendleton. Why this concern over Burr? whom you've always held beneath contempt.
3: Because I have reason to believe there is more to his challenge than meets the eye. Don't forget, Judge Pendleton, I'm not a bad shot myself. Burr doesn't gamble for little stakes. If it were only his personal honor at stake, he would have challenged me long ago, for I have never made any secret of my contempt for the man and all he stands for.
7: Oh, don't forget, Hamilton, you have time and again frustrated Burr's highest ambitions. When he wanted to be president, you chose Jefferson instead. And only last month, you killed his chances of becoming governor of New York. He'd set his heart on that governor's chair. Ah, but why
3: did that governor's chair mean so much to him? That's what I must make sure of, Pendleton. If the answer is what
7: I think it is... Supposing you fought this duel, Hamilton. Supposing you killed Aaron Burr. You'd only make him a martyr.
3: Ah. But if Burr killed me, what then?
7: It's unthinkable. This whole thing is unthinkable, Hamilton. It must not happen, this duel.
3: Judge Pendleton, of what must happen and what must not happen, neither you nor I can be the arbiters. Tomorrow I shall see Burr's political crony, out. What good will that do? Good, if he tells me the story I think he will. Well, there is always a final decision which no man makes for himself. <laughs>
1: listening to Alfred Lunt in an original radio play, The Gentleman from the Islands, on the cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company. As our play continues, Alexander Hamilton, played by Alfred Lunt, is in the headquarters of the Society of St. Tammany, talking with one of New York's first political bosses, a gentleman by the name of Swarthout.
3: Let us be realistic, Mr. Swarthout. You know perfectly well that without my support, your party cannot elect Colonel Burr or anyone else to the governorship now
4: or ever. So, now we know why you opposed Colonel Burr's election as governor. Wanted the job for yourself, eh? I haven't said so. Oh, come now, come now. You're a man of the world, Hamilton. As plain as the nose on your face that you Excuse me, Mrs. (laughs) Wardout. I didn't want to interrupt, but uh, the gentleman was most insistent... What gentlemen? Speak up. Uh, Mr. Cheatham, sir. Well, bring him in. Bring him in. Uh. <laughs> Where do Cheatham sees you here? I wager he will wager
3: what, Mr. Swarthart?
4: Mr. Cheatham, I believe you have met General Hamilton. We've met. I hadn't dreamed we'd meet again. Perhaps you've been dreaming of other things, Mr. Cheatham. Uh, General Hamilton has decided to let bygones be bygones. Isn't that so, General? I haven't said so. No. (laughs) I assure you, Mr. Cheatham, General Hamilton is only waiting to
3: find out what we have to
4: offer him.
7: Huh?
3: Well, is that so? Gentlemen, let's come to the point. It has been suggested that the office of Governor of New York might have its attractions for me. I need not tell you that I resigned from public office once because it didn't pay. Secretary of the Treasury of the United States of America couldn't make it pay. What you need is counsel, young man. Well, I'm willing to listen to your proposition, gentlemen.
4: <laughs> willing to listen? <laughs> what do you think of that, Cheatham? Willing to listen?
3: But when we tell you what we have in store
4: for you, you may think at first your ears have been deceiving you, Hamilton. Well, get on with it. Uh, <clears throat> are you quite certain of our ground here, what up? Uh, Mr. Cheatham, you let me handle this in my own way. Hamilton, here's the story. Our friends in New England have taken Colonel Burr into their confidence. They plan that New England and New York shall secede from the Union. Secede from the Union? Are you serious? Indeed, we are serious. And what's more, I am confident that the French minister has assured Colonel Burr that France will back us up with all the military power she has. And when Napoleon's
3: agent says that... When Napoleon's minister says that, beware, you will be his next victim. Would would that be so unpleasant?
4: Napoleon is realistic, and so are we of the manufacturing states of this country. Jefferson is bound and determined to ruin our foreign trade, all for the sake of a vague, romantic notion he calls democracy. We can't compete with a disciplined, organized nation like Napoleon's France under such a system. And so you propose that we should play his game? Hmm? Just so. Do you begin to see the
3: possibilities, my boy? I do. Ah? <laughs> and I have just this to say. A more evil, scurrilous, rotten, treacherous scheme has never come to my attention. Swine, that's what you are filthy swine. May God forgive the American people for ever having allowed men like you to be born on the soil of a free nation. Do you think the unity of this vast continent is subject to the whim of your little corrupt thirst for power? I tell you it is not, and never shall be. And just how do you propose
1: to stop us, General Hamilton?
3: With my life, if need be. My life is a little thing compared to the future of the unity of the United States. How my name goes down in history is a matter of small moment. How this great nation survives in history means everything.
7: Excellent, excellent repast, my dear Mistress Hamilton. And music with the feast. I have never dined so royally.
5: I held out against the musicians as long as I could. Such an extravagance. But Alexander would have it.
3: James, when you're the head of the house, I adjure you, do not follow your father's example. You see the thanks one gets for a generous gesture from the women, at least. And the women, if they, we strive to please, after all.
6: Don't be deceived, Father. Mother loves it. She told me so before dinner.
5: Now, you're too old to be carrying tales, James. But it's true, Alexander. It's wonderful to see you so full of the enjoyment of life. Oh, one would think I'd done nothing but add columns of figures for lo these 20 years. Today is an exception. It's the 4th of July, you know, but no brandy. You'll be drinking toast till morning, I suppose, at the celebration in town. I certainly hope so. Well, I wouldn't have you miss it for the world. Aaron Burr will be there for certain, and I want everybody to see how much handsomer you look in your dress uniform.
3: Aaron Burr will be there.
5: Of course, isn't he always? Why? What's the matter? Nothing.
3: Just I'll have to polish up my speech. Well, Pendleton, let's be getting on.
6: Good night, Father. Good night, Judge Pendleton.
3: Good night, my dear.
5: Hurry home. And drink a toast to General Washington for us.
3: Two toasts. A dozen.
7: Well, my boy, so you decided.
3: Yes. You will be my second in this affair, sir.
7: You know I can refuse you nothing.
3: You remembered to bring my papers. Thank you.
7: You saw Swato?
3: I saw two swine. And I smelt the filth of the pig pen the third sent his challenge from.
7: Have you considered you leave a wife? Children?
3: There are things that mean even more to me, Judge Pendleton.
7: I see. And another thing,
3: you must pledge
7: our adversaries
3: to keep this matter secret. No one must have an inkling of it. I want my last days with my family to be happy. Hamilton, please. No, no. My mind's made up. You shall see. They will be the happiest days of my life.
7: Here you are, my boy Got you home earlier than we expected I am very much obliged to you, sir You were magnificent, Hamilton the way you face Burr, as if nothing had happened between you at all—nothing has happened yet. I spoke to Vaness in the course of the evening. July eleventh is the date at Weehawken Heights, across the Hudson. The New Jersey laws on dueling are more liberal. July eleventh,
3: and this is the fourth, the fifth now—six days. Well, good night, Judge Pendleton.
7: Good night. God bless you. Why, well, Betsy, still uh, up?
5: I, I found these papers here. I've been reading them.
3: Well, that's a woman's privilege, my dear.
5: Such a lot of papers. Well, it seems as if you, you must have been writing letters or making speeches 24 hours a day for the past 15 years. How did we ever find time to be in love with each other? That was easy. Thank you, sir. I'm learning all your secrets. Oh, here's one. Remember this?
3: The letter I wrote to old Cheetham after that scurrilous story he printed about our marriage? I'll wager his ear is still burning. Gall of the man. Intimating that I married you for your money.
5: Well, didn't you?
3: Of course. But that's our business.
5: <laughs> well, then, I'm glad I had some money.
3: Do You really mean that, Betsy?
5: What do you think?
3: Oh, forgive me, my dear. These old memories we've dug up, how rich they are, and how many things we've learned, especially me.
5: Oh, here's the letter from General Washington after you quarreled, remember?
3: Oh, yes, I remember. He said I kept him waiting. I stopped to talk to Lafayette on the stairs. It couldn't have been more than two minutes, but General Washington insisted it was ten. Naturally, I had to stand on my honor.
5: You had too much honor in those days. I like you better now.
3: Perhaps I haven't changed as much as you think, Betsy.
5: Why do you say that in that strange tone of voice? Alexander, what is it with you these past weeks?
3: Have I seemed not like myself?
5: Too much like yourself. Your old self, I mean. This elation. I remember you like this before when you were going to Philadelphia to... Stand up against your elders for a constitution you wanted.
3: I survived it, didn't I?
5: Yes, and I prayed for your safety every night. Oh, you were so outspoken. There were so many hot-headed men there, the kind that fight a duel at the drop of a hat. Uh, What is it, Alexander? Did I say something to offend you?
7: No. No,
3: of course not. Just remembering old times. Too much of it for one day.
5: Sometimes I feel... I've known you so little for all our years together. Yet I'm glad. You've never seemed so human, so alive. I've never loved you as I have these past weeks. They've been the happiest weeks of my life.
3: Say that again, Betsy.
5: The happiest weeks of my life.
3: You do mean it, don't you? Oh, thank you. And now I'll say goodnight again, my dear... I have a little writing to do before I come to bed.
5: Good night, my love.
6: Father, may I come in for a moment?
3: Why, James, are you up too?
6: Yes, I waited up. I wanted to talk to you without Mother here.
3: Secrets from your mother? I'm flattered.
6: Well, I... I'm preparing for my regent's examinations now to enter college, as you know, and... I thought... Well, wasn't sure whether I'd be going. I mean, are you getting ready to leave us, Father?
3: My earth put that idea into your head.
6: Uh, this letter, you left it out on the desk. I wouldn't have looked, except for what it says on the top. To my sons, in the event that I should not return.
3: Have you showed that to your brothers?
6: No. I wanted to be sure what it meant. Well, it doesn't mean anything.
3: I was thinking of taking a fairly long trip, perhaps to Canada, naturally. If I went by boat, there's some danger...
6: You're lying to me, Father.
3: Yes, perhaps I am.
6: Are you going to fight a duel?
3: You know I don't approve of dueling.
6: I didn't ask you that. I asked you if you are going to fight a duel. No, we'll put it this way. If I were,
3: I'd want you to do as I said in that letter. Look after your mother when I'm gone.
6: I understand, Father. And don't worry. I won't say anything to Mother. Not till it's all over.
3: You're a great gentleman, James. I have no fears for you. Be a guide to your younger brothers and a comfort to your mother.
6: I'll do my best. Now,
3: good night. I've work to do. God bless you, my son.
6: Goodbye, father. Good luck. <laughs>
3: Ten paces, gentlemen. Ten paces. Ten paces. One, two,
4: three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Is that satisfactory to you,
7: Judge Pendleton? That will do. Mark the place. Now then, do I have the honor? Very good, sir. I choose heads.
4: Heads it is. General Hamilton, your choice of weapons. Thank you. This
3: one will do. General Burr, I have the honor. Well, let's get on with it. At your service, sir.
7: Stances, gentlemen. Are you ready, Doctor? Ready, gentlemen. Very well, gentlemen. Present. Fire! Oh. Doctor, Colonel Hamilton, he's hit. Oh, why does he hold his fire like yes. that? General Hamilton.
2: General Hamilton, can you speak? Please, sir, I'm the doctor. Let me get at that wound at once. It's too late, Doctor. This is a
3: mortal wound.
2: Looks bad. We'll have to get him across the river somewhere to a hospital. Bullet has entered his lung. Gentlemen, bring a stretcher
3: over here with a stretcher. Hurry. Not oh, just a moment. Before we start, I should die before we reach the other shore. Let my wife be called at once. Break it to her gently, but impress upon her that I have meant that she should understand why I have done this. The papers must be published just as I'll tell her this is my legacy to her and to my country. do listen to him. He doesn't know what he's saying. He must have been mad these last days. Why else did he hold his fire? For suicide. Brought on by madness. Brought on by madness, yes. Well, whose madness? Does one argue with a dead man? For I am dead, but not half so dead as Aaron Burr shall be before ever death touches his body. God give him the strength to go on until his every intrigue should be shown for
2: what it is. Shall we lift him up, Doctor?
3: He's quiet now.
2: Yes, gentlemen, lift him.
3: Lift him up. Now wait. Oh, please, one moment. Yes, General Hamilton. My pistol. Be careful how you handle it. It might go off and do harm. It hasn't been fired, you know.
1: And now the star of tonight's cavalcade, Alfred Lunt.
3: Thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It has been nearly a century and a half since Alexander Hamilton sacrificed himself that our country might continue the course charted by the founders of this republic. It is my sincere hope that in our play tonight there has been some measure of inspiration and encouragement For the gallant men and women who today are fighting to destroy the evil forces once more abroad over the earth. Thank you.
1: Next week, on the cavalcade of America, the distinguished character actor, Dean Jagger, in a new and thrilling radio play called Man of Iron, a story of John Erickson's invention of the monitor. Don't forget, next week, Dean Jagger as John Erickson in Man of Iron. The orchestra and musical score tonight were under the direction of Don Voorhees. This is Clayton Collier sending best wishes from DuPont. This program came to you from New York. This is the National Broadcasting
0: Company. Welcome back. Well, the account in this story really floored me because it was so uh, different and had some things in there that I had not uh, heard of. And so I'll go through what I was able to find in my research. The huge claim is in regards to Aaron Burr, and an effort for New England secession. And here, I think, the uh, audio drama here from Cavalcade of America does a bit more accurate job, still not completely accurate, in explaining the causes of uh, what led bird to the agitation of... Uh, uh, basically picking this duel, because there was no uh, duel after uh, 1800 in the election. However, for not taking an active role in trying to make sure that Jefferson prevailed in the House of Representatives, uh, Burr was really distrusted by Jefferson who under the new system, you know, would not be put on the ticket. So Burr was looking for another way to further his career. And so in 1802, he ran for governor of New York. And part of his support came from a faction that wanted, uh, uh, secession from the, uh, in the Northeast. There were a bunch of New Englanders who were of the mind that the uh, New England state should leave the Union because they couldn't trust Thomas Jefferson in charge of the government. He was a Southerner, and uh, this would get even worse once the l- Louisiana Purchase was uh, agreed to because it would l- force th- uh, the assimilation of a lot of people who were not English by birth as were the uh, the majority of the people in New England. And so, uh, for various reasons, they decided they wanted to secede. And they also decided they were going to support... Aaron Burr for the governorship of New York, and Burr, in turn, was going to support the secession of New York from the Union. He was going to bring that about, and then New England would secede, and you would have this full secession. The only thing is, a funny thing happened on the way to the secession, and Aaron Burr lost the election. So that part is interesting. It's not something that uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda included in the recent, uh, in the musical. Um, I think that doesn't fit well with the portrait of Aaron Burry was trying to paint, which was a more sympathetic and human portrait. And while he... I think those elements were there. The fact is that he was kind of willing to split up the country uh, as part of getting elected governor of New York, though whether he would have actually followed through on that promise, who knows, you know, this was Aaron Burr. But the cavalcade story uh, does go off the rails. There is no proof of the involvement of a pro-secessionist group in trying to bring about the duel. And the idea of being pushed by this episode that they uh, would uh, support Alexander Hamilton for governor of New York and that would somehow call off the duel is just yeah complete fabrication. And you do have this kind of um, a biography of Saint Alexander in the story the way that you hear it where in fact he carefully strategized that this would that his death at the hands of Aaron Burr would destroy the New England secessionist and so he set out to go in the duel to have Aaron Burr kill him in order to save the union so Alexander Hamilton was like Obi-Wan in Star Wars, and Aaron Burr was like Darth Vader. Strike me down, Burr, and I'll be more powerful than you could ever imagine. Except that uh, there is a lot of evidence that Alexander Hamilton didn't plan on dying in this duel. He actually had an appointment later on in the day back in New York, which obviously went unkept. And Hamilton being Hamilton, he actually sat down and he wrote about what he intended to uh, do in the duel. He says, I have resolved if our review interview is conducted in the usual manner and if pleases God to give me the opportunity to reserve and throw away my first fire. And I've thought even of reserving my second fire and thus giving a double opportunity to Colonel Burr to pause and reflect. Hamilton's intent, stated in his letters, was to fire shot in the air and hope that Burr behaves like a gentleman and reconsiders what he's wanting to do. They also give him some lines that really don't fit who Alexander Hamilton was. Here's a hint. If you had a multi- year affair, and then published a pamphlet about it, thus bringing embarrassment to your wife and family. You don't ask your wife if you've ever done anything to cause her not to trust you, as they uh, put those words in Hamilton's mouth. Now, uh, it's, this had been several years, so there could have been some time for healing, forgiveness, and certainly Hamilton wasn't the same man that he'd been when he was younger, but still, that's not something he would have said though they actually made him look worse in a way with his, I may be dead, but this is going to ruin uh, Aaron Burr. He was actually quite civil in re- regards to his opinion of Burr when he wrote officially about the duel, saying, it is not my design, by what I have said, to affix any odium on the conduct of Colonel Burr in this case. He doubtless has heard of M. M. M- adversions of mine which bore very hard upon him and it is probable uh, that as usual they were accompanied with some falsehoods he may have supposed himself under a necessity of acting as he has done i hope the grounds of his proceeding have been such as ought to satisfy his own conscience so, what is the deal with the way that Cavalcade of America portrayed the duel in 1942? The key thing is to remember the time. This aired about eight months after Pearl Harbor, and the United States was getting into the thick of World War II. There was a lot of uncertainty about what was going to happen. Would we uh, survive? Would uh, we be uh, bombed by the Jap? knees on the west coast, off the east coast, uh, American uh, sailors were constantly menaced by German U-boats, our Navy not really even being up to uh, speed. And Cavalcade of America kind of changed with the time. When it began in 1935, the program was known for its historical accuracy. And I think when you get into the post-war Cavalcade of Americas, there st- there is probably more of that vigor. But I think in a couple of these war years, there was a feeling that it was important to air patriotic plays that would encourage and teach lessons to citizens, even if you had to kind of bend the history to get the lesson in. In some cases I've heard, it's really just kind of minor. Here, it's much more major. And of course, the uh, show kind of speaks to the fact that many people, in order to stop The Germans and the uh, uh, Empire of Japan were going to leave behind wives and children never to return. And so, to those men who faced that prospect, they could hear that Alexander Hamilton decided to leave behind his wife and family in order to die to save the Union in a duel with Aaron Burr, even though that's not what happened. Now, I should say that You Are There did do a uh, broadcast on the Burr-Hamilton duel, but unfortunately only the first half of that broadcast survived. And I think you would have probably gotten something a bit more uh, objective and factual uh, because it aired after the war. But nevertheless, this is the one that survived, and that's the story that it told. Even if they'd heard the uh, true story, it definitely affected and captured the imaginations of Americans. And that well-known fact would be the fodder for artistic works. And over the next two or three weeks, we'll wrap up the series by taking a look at some actually acknowledged fictional uh, takes on the Burr-Hamilton duel. In the meantime, if you do have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. But from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.